Ultra. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one page, one problem at a time. I'm Zach Luna. <laughs> I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> I'm Jonathan Carlyle from the Princess Bride Minute. And I'm Steve Lasto, also from the Princess Bride Minute. Welcome back, hey. guys. Yeah. Uh, today we are talking Minute 57, uh, which starts in the Daily Bugle with some front page issues and a buzzer. And uh, ends, of course, in the Daily Bugle with uh, Julia Roberts in a thaw, I think is the uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. actual second. <laughs> it cuts off. Uh, so oh boy. <sighs> we, we, have, uh, we have stepped into a screwball comedy, and I love it. I, I, love, love, it. I love that the Daily Bugle exists. Inside of a screwball comedy, and like every <laughs> everything in the Daily Bugle is old fashioned. Like all of the colors are sort of like monochromatic. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it, every everything is just sort of. I mean, yeah, it just looks like a screwball comedy. And then even uh, J. Jonah Jameson, you know, the way that they have his makeup and his hair. Like he's just he's a he's a cartoon character and he's the only one in the movie, uh, yeah. you know that is a cartoon character. But they just they leaned into it and it just works. Uh, and I I just I love everything in the Daily Bugle every time we're here and we're only in here. If I'm not mistaken, we're only in here three times in I this think movie. So. Yeah, uh, three times in this movie, and then only a hand. Like I think we're in it more, maybe twice as many times in the sequels. Um, yeah. But in this first one, only there's only three times that we're in the Daily Bugle, and every time it's just cinematic gold. Oh yes, yeah. it's perfect. That's it's one of the things when I first saw the movie that I was so happy to to see that they did it and they did it so well. You know, because mm-hmm. I I just knowing Spider Man as as much as I did, and yeah, I don't know, you you just to not have this J. Jonah Jameson, you know, especially this J. Jonah Jameson, uh, I I would have been disappointed. But uh, yeah. it, it always makes me happy when someone, re- like you said, they really lean into it, but it still works. You know, it's not too yes. far. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I recently listened to an interview with J.K. Simmons where he talked a little bit at length about the, the process leading up to this movie. It started in terms of you know, oh, what's it like that you're going to play the new Commissioner Gordon and we'll segue into you're most well-known for playing J. Jonah Jameson. And, you know, they got to the point of, uh, you know, what is it like when you're preparing for a character who's almost a cartoon, who's from these funny pages or whatever? Are you a big comic fan yourself? And he said, he was very honest about it, as many actors have to be, that he he wasn't a big comic book reader when he was growing up. He didn't know a lot about it, but he has a few trusted people 
in his like inner circle or whatever that he always calls and talks to before he uh, does one of these movies. I mean, he hadn't at this point done one like this before. Uh, who who have such a huge love for the character. He has a cousin of his that was always giving him Spider-Man comics when he was a kid. And he's like, I didn't read comics really at all, but the few that I did read were always Spider-Man. Those are the only ones that I, I, I knew. And there was an image from that that I knew of this guy with his chomping cigar and the big white teeth and the flat top screaming. He seemed to always be screaming. And so he went back <laughs> and did a bunch of research, read a ton of these old comics, and then talked to Sam Raimi and came to the conclusion, at least in this interview where J.K. Simmons himself said, I think for this character to work, he has to be from the comics just lifted directly. I don't think we can try to modernize him or adjust him in any way, shape, or form. I think we have to just execute him the way he is there. And and, and Raimi agreed. And I, I love that even if it, this isn't a world that he was familiar with beforehand, that he did so much work in preparation and talked to people who cared about it that he could come with that conclusion so so steadily to Sam to Sam and and say that's the take we should we should go with and that he agreed to it. I think it's mm-hmm. it's admirable and beautiful. <laughs> well, what they do, I think the the reason that it works so well is mm. because you know, okay, so you have J. Jonah Jameson, who's a very strong personality. And so mm-hmm. no matter what kind of Jonah Jameson you would do if you were gonna if you were going to downplay you know the 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 craziness of this character the cartoonishness of this character for uh for the movie he would still be in order to be J. Jonah Jameson he would still need to be the biggest personality in the room and he would he would attract all of the attention all the time and what they've done here is they make all of the action that's happening in this scene, everyone is heightened because they're all reacting or waiting to react to <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson. And so yeah. everyone is just buzzing around this character, heightening, and so he's heightening everything around him, which allows him to be ridiculously big and over the top, oh, but yeah. not oh, yeah. feel like it. Because everyone else is rising up to his level because they have to. Totally, totally. There and was they, a, a thing he they did yeah. it in. They did. They do it in the blocking. They do mm-hmm. it in the fast paced dialogue. Everything is just like he affects everything around him, and as a result, that's why we're suddenly in a screwball comedy. Right. Uh, right. Despite the fact that you know, as we'll see in the next minute. The tone of the rest of the movie is nothing like this. <laughs> sure. He's not malicious here. He's just like so on his one track uh, and and has like principles behind it that he, you know, is not going to waver from it. And we won't get to it in this scene, obviously, but there's like a, a much bigger, soft J. Jonah Jameson moment later in the film right. that I think um, that he clearly had in mind early on that he's going to play at all levels of the character, even when we're doing this this fun thing here. Um, one more well, thing, I and I was, think that the yeah. as as far as that that softness thing before you change the subject to move on to something else, please um, do, please I, do. Yeah, <laughs> I I I wanted to to say that like I have this in my notes because one of the things about J. Jonah Jameson in the comics, and and mm-hmm. they only mention it one time, and it's in those early Ditko issues. Yeah. Um, there's a beat where J. Jonah Jameson reveals why he hates Spider Man so much, and. Mm-hmm. It's because 
like the the idea is that if this guy can be that good and not have anything to hide, then what what's wrong with J. Jonah Jameson? Like that means that J. Jonah Jameson is a bad guy. And so he has to fight hard against Spider-Man so that he can find the dirt on this guy because he has to have dirt because if he doesn't have dirt, then what does that say about J. Jonah Jameson? I actually found that panel you're talking about. They they oh, okay. have it in the behind the scenes book. So it's from um it's from Amazing Spider-Man number 10, so very early on um with Steve Ditko. Yeah, uh, that would have so, been that would have been 64, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and basically I I'm not going to do the voice right now, but the 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 text <laughs> that he has is am I always going to be thwarted and embarrassed by this Spider-Man? I hate that costume freak more than I ever hated anyone, you know, standard stuff. Uh I'll never be content while it's free. I've been interested in one thing my whole life, making money, and yet Spider-Man risks his life day after day with no thought of reward. If a man like him is good, is a hero, then what am I? I can never respect myself while he lives. Spider-Man represents everything that I'm not. He's brave, powerful, and unselfish. The truth is, I envy him. I, J. Jonah Jameson, millionaire, man of the world, civic leader, I'd give everything I own to be the man that he is. But I can never climb to his level, so all that remains for me is to try to tear him down. Because, heaven help me, I'm jealous of him. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's spelled out so directly, and it was there, and in the preparation for this role, that that's what um, what J.K. Simmons brought to Sam Raimi when he was pointing out, we gotta bring this thing from the comic here. And then the second thing he did that I have so much respect for was he went and did research in an actual uh, newsroom. He went to the New York Post and did research with what it's like, you know, before a big... Yeah, yeah, yeah I was gonna, I was going to say, yeah, that's... Mm. That, yeah. was, that was the other thing that I wanted to point out is that yeah. the, the, the Bugle is not a newspaper. It's a right. tablet. Yeah, yeah. right, um, right. Yeah. Which was a decision that uh, they made, you know, making this this movie. And you right. you can feel that it's a tabloid because like in the like in the in the background, there's a there's a framed uh, cover of a newspaper uh, fr- front mm-hmm. page. That's um, cover. What a, it's not a magazine. <laughs> the, the front page of the of the newspaper back there is uh, framed and it's it's it looks like it says just married. Just married and I believe yeah. it's right. Yeah, it's right. it's uh, uh, Prince Charles and, and Princess Diana. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> back there. But uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a tabloid. And yeah, it works because if we're just trying to sell the paper, we're not trying to do, you know, real investigative journalism here. What's right. going to sell? What's going to get us on there? And he said the the thing that he did after spending those times at the tabloid in the newsroom was there's different levels of hysteria. And we chose to only use two minutes to deadline stress level at all times, <laughs> which, I, <laughs> which I thought was pretty it's perfect. Yeah. One thing with all the with all the craziness and everybody running around and stuff, um, mm-hmm. in the background, there's I don't like the news floor manager or something. I, he's the mm-hmm. only guy that's not moving. Is he like the I don't know? Is he a J. Jonah wannabe or something? Or <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just the pole that everybody else revolves around out there. He's yeah, like he, with his arms crossed over his chest. Yeah. He he's in he's in charge of the weather, so his job is already done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ted Ted Raimi keeps going to talk to him in between times too. So, oh yeah, so then he, so so then he's the advertiser. He's the the, the oh, sponsor. Oh, there it That's is. That's with yeah. the page six problem. Who's waiting to to hear back from Jonah? Oh, okay, right. so, that makes yeah. sense. That's yeah. even funnier. They because... physically put him in the space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he could just come in and talk to Jonah, but he's not. He's he's got Ted running back and forth. 
Or that he can see that he sends Ted in yeah. and can see can see uh, Jonah just be like, nope, 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 and send him back with, with nothing. Uh, I love it. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out is that while, uh, while J. Jonah Jameson in the comics, that's mm-hmm. his deal. I feel yeah. like the J. Jonah Jameson um, of, the, of the movies, he has another thing going on. Uh, because mm-hmm. it's not it's not just that fear of inadequacy or, or whatever, because the idea of tearing down this guy to make himself feel better, it, that's a hard. That yeah, that that's a hard guy like that. Yeah, that guy is is, you know, that's the guy from the comics who literally gets in bed with supervillains and has them try to kill Spider-Man. Um, right. So that's not this guy. I think mm-hmm. this guy's deal is that he doesn't like that Spider-Man is being called a hero because in his mind, his son is a hero, but he doesn't yeah. get to be a newspaper headlines. Is his sure. son an astronaut his, in, this, his, in the um, – Right. His, yeah. I don't know if he's the, an astronaut yet. I think he's just in the Air Force. I think he's just a pilot yeah. in the Air Force yeah. right now. Spider-Man's breaking the rules basically. Right. right. It's it's like and, it's and not fair away. to him that his son is is a real American hero. But Spider-Man like wears a mask and saves people and now he gets all the press. That's not fair. So I'm going to tear him down because I want people to talk about real American heroes like my son. Yeah. Um and I think that's more where his uh his kind of um I don't know, like the fuel behind his fire comes from is from a sense of like pride of his kid. And so it comes from a warmer place. And as a result, he's a warmer character, I think. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not I mean, I'm I'm flipping through the um, the the scenes book because it goes a little more into the specifics than the interview that I listened to did. But um, he talks about playing around with other motivations like, okay, early in the process, like what does he just hate spiders in general because of a childhood incident or <laughs> does he hate this? But he said that didn't really work. He said part of it is his political leanings that he wouldn't approve of vigilantism in general and also being, being terrified of a super being like this. And then, and, and then uh, it's not in, it's not in this, this interview, but I think you've hit the nail on the head about it's not fair that this guy gets all the attention is is right. I think a much a, a a much better more crunchy place to come from than just you know I I hate him because I'm jealous right now but that there you have to get there so how do you get there in a human way even if you're doing all these ridiculous uh, things like that's the job of an actor of this caliber and he's you can't see all the individual work that he does but you can see the effect of the work in the moment because everybody almost anybody I show this movie to this is one of their favorite parts. They love, they love J. Jonah Jameson. He's so fun and so funny and so comic booky. It feels like, like the comic book made real, but for this movie. Um, I don't know. I, I love it. Can, can we take a second to talk about J.K. Simmons? Sure. Like in general. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, 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 so when I started watching this minute, I was like, oh, I know this guy, and I thought he'd been a heck of a lot more things. And the things that he's been in that I liked are things like, like Juno. Juno was the first thing that came to mind. Then I also remembered him being in mm. Up in the Air. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a very, very human actor. I'm, I'm amazed that he hasn't done 
more, so much more in his career. I mean, he's a really yeah. good actor. He brings a lot to the table. Well, he's he's popping off right now because he just, right right after he won his Oscar for Whiplash, he got a um a deal with Stars to um there there's a there's a, a project they wanted him to star in that they immediately bought two seasons worth of. So it hasn't even come out yet, but so he's about to just you know he's getting offers and stuff all over the place on the t- on the TV network. Before this, he was in that HBO prison show. I think he was like a white Oz. supremacist, and he was really yeah. really scary. Oh, and, he was great on um, Oz. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's terrifying on Oz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, <laughs> I, but but J, but uh, J.K. Simmons is so good. I mean this. I mean, and this 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 will this will. I mean, this is as much a proof as you could possibly be. Mm. Like, he is so good as J. Jonah Jameson that we are now two Spider-Man reboots <laughs> since then, and we've never had another J. Jonah Jameson right. because yeah. they're too afraid to recast that character. Yep. <laughs> they, they're mean, fine with recasting Peter. Yeah. But J. Jonah Jameson, they're like, ah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe let's not do that. <laughs> He's an incredibly confident performer, even if you don't know him from a ton of things. And I think part of that is that he is choosy with his roles, and he always has been. I mean, he's in that interview I listened to uh, before before this taping, he talked about how he did 20 years of theater, you know, on and off of Broadway, before he did anything on TV. And... And when he was young, he was like, I never had a problem like working Hello? for money. You know, I would I would bartend and I would uh, wait tables and things like that. Uh, so even when I was at a point in my life where it would have made sense for me to take every single role that came my way for the sake of money, uh, I was always very, very choosy about, you know, is this something I like or that we could do something interesting with? And that he would just buckle down and do a ton of work for it and then be fine you know, going months without acting gigs in between as long as he could respect the work he was doing. And like that built up over many, many years to the point where he does, you know, the gift with Sam Raimi and for love of the game with Sam Raimi. And then when Sam is like, oh, who could I have for J. Jonah Jameson? Let's get that guy in. And he wasn't afraid to do this big thing and crush it and knock it out of the park. And he certainly did. He's great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Uh on the so on the flip side, we also have Robbie Robinson mm. in the scene, and I don't Ooh, get yes. I don't yeah. get much from him. Is that just the character he's playing, or or is it just because he's overshadowed by by J.K. Yeah, you ain't, you ain't I think he's overshadowed. I mean, yeah. in, in general, Robbie Robertson has always in the comics played the role of uh, J. Jonah of Jonah's like right. conscience. Um, mm-hmm. he's the, he's the, Robbie Robertson is the legitimate journalist who's trying to do legitimate right. work, but uh, Jay Jonah is more interested in selling newspapers than legitimate journalism right. uh, or telling <laughs> the truth. And, uh, it's a little weird in this context because I don't know what Robbie Robertson is doing in a tabloid <laughs> because the Daily Bugle was never a tabloid in the comics. That's just in right. this in this franchise um, that it's a tabloid. Uh, so it's, it's weird that Robbie Robertson is there. And I think that because they can't play the legitimate journalism angle, he and yeah. they, he ends up just being Jonah's conscience and that's it. Could, could um, we yeah. like in this franchise, is there a possibility that the daily bugle wasn't always a tabloid? 
that th- that maybe Jay Jonah kind of kind of saw a direction of things and kind of took it that way, and Robbie Robertson was just along for the ride. Yeah, hey, yeah. That makes sense I want to I want to take that. a second and talk about New York tabloids. If that's okay, because I'm not sure New York yeah. tabloids oh, the same to. thing as London tabloids, and I haven't lived in London nor have I read London tabloids any point in my life. But so we've got. Uh-huh. So in New York City, we have the New York Post and the New York Daily News. New York Daily News is the left-leaning tabloid. The New York Post is the far-right, insane-leading tabloid. Um, and But both of them do real news, particularly when it mm-hmm. comes to politics and opinion pieces and things like that. I mean, like, both of them do real sports news. Both of them do real political news. Both of them do real local news. It's not – they're not – you're not talking about, the you know, the Washington Post and the New York Times. That's a different, that's a different thing. And I think, like um, – um, um, the Daily Planet certainly lead, leans more in that direction, if you will. Um, if I can, ju- sure. if I can jump universes, but you can have it. You yeah, can, yeah. you can be a tabloid and still have a working news operation. And traditionally, I think that's very, very much the way it's been. It's just been that it, in New York, anyway. It's just been that it's been uh-huh. a a a more blue collar reading experience. You know, mm. so I, I don't, I don't think Robbie Robertson being here. Necessarily doesn't make any sense. I don't think this Daily Bugle is so much more different than the Daily Bugle in the comic books. It's very, very mm. different than the Daily Planet, though. That's an entirely different beast, which is much more like the more on the level of the Times or what have you. Mm-hmm. But this is a subway paper, you know. This isn't like a uh, delivered to your house type paper, uh, <laughs> you know. Like, like, like this is you grab on your way to work or something like that to to read the opinion pieces or something. Is that more the, the tone we're looking so, for with the Daily Bugle? I, I, th- yeah, I, think it's, the... I think it's a class thing more than anything. It's an education thing and a mm-hmm. class thing. Like, I read the Daily News and the New York Post every day because for two reasons. A, I like, I like, the, I like the sports, which are great. Like, I'll, I'll follow, I, mm-hmm. I, I follow baseball religiously. And B, mm-hmm. the news can be highly amusing, particularly in the Post. I mean, you re- you weird. <laughs> it's not it's not really news to me because for news, I'm going to the New York Times. So I also read every day, um, right? But it's like the things you read about are hilarious, and then there's real. But there's also real news in there. It's just not worth reading for the most part. the The Daily News is a little I bit better. Um, the po- I mean, and I may be a bit like um, politically um, influenced here, where my politics are more left leaning than right leaning. The Daily News seems uh-huh. to be a little more in touch with reality and a little more newsworthy. There's a history of, of like a proud working class journalism at the daily news. Um, things like Pete Hamill, Hamill and, um, Mike Lupica is still around and, you know, guys that are really, you know, they, they're, they bleed Brooklyn, they bleed Queens, they bleed New York, you know, whereas the post is sort of a little more nutty. (laughs) Fair. But this, but the, but the idea of Robbie Robertson, being at this at say the daily news in new york post that works for me so this is not that fu- this is not just okay. A, okay. a coupon and um this isn't the national Enquirer. okay gotcha yeah yeah, yeah. we're okay sorry it took me a while to we're get not to that the time so we're not the Enquirer either i got yeah. it <laughs> all right <laughs> um yeah well and speaking of robbie robertson of course that's bill nunn uh, mm-hmm. Who unfortunately uh we we lost him to le- leukemia just about a yeah. year ago um yeah. But uh, he's a he is a a huge uh, Pittsburgh actor. He's from Pittsburgh. Um, he was in Fences, uh, the uh, the original play for Fences, opposite awesome. Anthony Mackie, uh, who played oh, his man. son in that. Yeah. Um, oh man! 
But uh, I think the thing that like cinephiles really know him from is, of course, uh, his work with Spike Lee um, in yeah. uh, School Days and Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. Yeah. He's, uh, yep. he's a great character actor. Uh, and mm-hmm. he was, um, you know, despite the fact that you can't really get much of a read on him in this movie, I, I feel like over the course of the three movies, you really do get a sense of his character and his big heart uh, mm-hmm. in, in such a, a very like small role and one that is o- like very much overshadowed by Jay Jonah in every scene and to a certain extent, even Ted Raimi, yeah. who yeah. <laughs> is overshadowing him by being just like the dumbest schlub, uh, you know, you've ever oh, seen in a movie. Um, but he, but he's playing that dumb schlub so big that he, he overshadows Bill Nunn as well. But I think right. that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know that I realized how much I cared about Bill Nunn until he passed away last year. And when that sure. news came out, I was like, oh, no, not Robbie Robertson. <laughs> like, it just, yeah. I, like, it just, it, it, it hurt a little bit. More than I would have ever expected, that's for sure. Sure. No. Yeah. He just seemed to like have such an open, uh, like a kind soul. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at the, at the core of everybody he played. Um, so even if with a couple seconds of screen time here, he still does have a bit of that sad eyes Robbie Robertson vibe. Um, that we'll get more of later. Yeah. So, what a cracking scene. My God. Yeah. <laughs> the, la- the last note that I, I want to make, and it's because I remember getting a, like a cold chill at the time. Like when, when this happened, they just get a full mm-hmm. body chill because at the time, this sort of thing was never, ever done. Like comic book movies were a new thing. So the idea uh-huh. of making references yep. to stuff that could happen in the future was like, uh-huh. oh, oh, what? <laughs> like you just get like the, your nerd sense just tingles all over when <laughs> yes. it happens at the time. Um, now it's just like, yeah, no, I mean, look, there's a talking raccoon in a movie that, you know, like that's <laughs> made a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, we're, we're a far uh, we're far away from this now. But I remember seeing this in the theater and talking to my friends about it. Um, later and just being like, did you, did you hear that line in the, in the daily daily bugle scene? He said, he said, let's get a decent picture this time. And, and Robbie said, no one can get it. Eddie's been on it all week. And Eddie of course is just a passing reference to Eddie Brock, daily bugle photographer who would eventually become Venom. Um, and of course that's taking Spider-Man three out of the equation at the right, time, right. there was no Spider-Man right. 3. It was just right. the idea that someone referenced Eddie Brock, who is Venom, in the comics, yeah. and holy crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's really cool. I feel like there's another one of those this week um, that I won't, I won't spoil later when we come to it, but just like every once in a while to hear a name from a comic and know, know what it represented, but that it doesn't take away from the flow of the scene. It does. It's exciting in a, in a way that's hard to describe. Because it can't really happen that way anymore because no. it was so new. Right. Yeah. Right. It was It was definitely – it's the kind of reference that is just very much of a time, of the early 2000s. It's, yeah. it's something that would never work now because you can't do something like that now because if you say the name, they expect the character to show up because why right. wouldn't it? There's a talking tree in a movie. Why wouldn't you have Eddie Brock too? <laughs> like it does – like well, – 
Like it doesn't make any sense. So it's it's just I remember that line, you know, when I was uh, 16 or 17 when this came out, 17. Um mm-hmm. you know, it was uh it was crazy. It 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 definitely uh it definitely gave me a chill, a little, a little chill of satisfa- satisfaction. And then, of course, so did the the one that you're talking about later this week as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as yeah. as much as this movie uh. like blew your mind at the time, to think about the possibilities of Venom, you'd be like, well, how are they going to do that? Yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. I, I'm still amazed um, that they're planning on doing the Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, that blows me away that we've got it to that point in time. That is insane. Like, I, I yeah, mean, I think yeah. that's, at that point, it's just like, that's, I mean, that's basically like the end all be all, right? Yeah. You're just like, okay, well, there's nothing left in the <laughs> tank now. Um, Go ahead, do uh, Civil War so, two. have a blast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so um, guys, we're going to, we'll talk about the first time you guys saw this movie on tomorrow's episode, but... Um, what is your, uh, what, what, what is your background with, uh, Spider-Man? I'll go, I'll start with you, Steve. Oh God. Um, as just a character. Um, yeah. so sitting next to me right now, I have a little, um, plaster statue of Spider-Man sitting on a rock. I'll post a picture on, on your Facebook group later on, um, that, um, awesome. that my dad painted for me probably about 40 years ago. Um, my dad was one of the least creative people on the planet. The fact that he painted this thing, I remember going to the store with him and getting it. The fact that he painted this thing says volumes to me. Um, I mean, it's wow. hard, to, it's hard to believe. It's probably one of my favorite possessions in the world. Um, I'm a huge Marvel comics fan. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I still read, I, I, I still get the Marvel app. Um, I won't say Spider-Man's ever my favorite character. I was a big X-Men guy. Um, but mm-hmm. damn, man, I love Spider-Man. I love I love everything about this. This is like, you know, I love I love that Marvel Comics is what it is now. Um, I think yeah. it, I think it's I think it's great. How did you first hear about it though? Like, how did you get started like reading comics and things like that? I, I, I really actually know the answer in your to life, this. You remember? So yeah. when I was about seven years old, I mean, I probably saw Spider Man the cartoon on TV maybe beforehand, but I know that my mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. Marvel comic was um, I think it's Ghost Rider, <sighs> the original Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider like number. 20 or something like that and i paid it was like 45 cents and we were out in long island and we stopped at a comic book store of all things called the bat cave um which has probably been gone for like 40 years but it was actually a yeah. cave-like shaped thing and it was so cool um and i wish they put that damn comic on the app so i could actually tell you which issue it was but it's not on there um, <laughs> but um yeah i mean like marvel i mean marvel comics is like you know, like if you want to, like you know, it's Marvel Comics is as big a, to- a totem to me as Star Wars is. It's the other pillar that all my wow. geekdom is built upon. You know, yeah. Um, I yeah, I love this stuff. Awesome. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, Spider Man was uh, he was kind of like always with me. It was more like after I started reading comics, and especially when these movies came out, then I started thinking back and realizing that there was little things in my life like. Uh, uh, the Spider-Man Pez was the first Pez I ever owned, um, but Ooh. but as a kid, like not not in the '90s when everyone was selling you know Beanie Babies and stuff, but it was it was earlier than right. that. Um, but I'd forgotten about that, you know, just didn't really think about it. I'd watched the Spider-Man and Friends cartoon, but again, just kind of like forgot about it after after a while. Um, but when I started reading mm-hmm. comics, the ones I actually really collected ended up being Batman and Spider-Man. Um, he just kind of stuck with me ever yeah. since then. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to be a tall guy, but I never was. But so I was thrilled 
when I'd start to read stats on characters and realize that uh, Peter Parker was 5'10". And I was like, yes, that's me. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, I had kids pretty early in my life. And my son is my oldest. And uh, he latched on to these Spider-Man movies. And that's a, a whole other set of awesome memories. And, and uh, it's been wow. great. So, yeah, I have all kinds of home video of him and his spider suits. And he's got one of those muscle suits we were talking about earlier. And... And uh, that's fun. He actually, uh, when we were preparing for this, he actually sat down and took some notes uh, for these minutes too. So, <laughs> so, so that was his that was his note in '56 uh, about the uh, seeing the three the three thieves in the newspaper when you only see two on the web. Oh yeah. Oh, so that's that was his amazing. catch. Wow, that's awesome. Good catch. Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. We'll, we're going to be uh, talking. We'll have you guys on for one more minute. Um, we're talking about uh, minute uh, 58. Um, in the meantime, guys, uh, you should check out moviesbyminutes.com. There you can find uh, all of the, the Movies by Minutes podcasts, including uh, Princess Bride Minute, uh, which is hosted by uh, Steve and uh, Jonathan. So. Um, check that I've I've been on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need to get uh, Zach on because it's his favorite movie of all time. Please, Shazam. yeah. Why, why are we just hearing about this now? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I I heard about only one or two movies by minute podcast. If I'd known that the Princess Bride one existed <laughs> earlier, I would have been like banging down your door. But yeah, we'll we'll work that out at some point. <laughs> We're gonna have a lot of guests on for those last three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, we will be back tomorrow with Minute 58. Bye, everybody. Can I I say one more thing? Oh, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the Julia Robertson of Thong is such an amazing comment to me. um, Because Uh every, (laughs) every time I watch this movie, that one sticks out just because... If it had been any other celebrity, I would have just bought it as a thing of the time. And then it would seem so locked in to that time, you know, to 2002. Yeah. But for some reason, mm-hmm. Julia Robertson and Thong, like, even ever since the first time I even heard that, I was like, what, really? Like, for some reason, putting putting Julia <laughs> Robertson's name in there, it, it's, is that, a, you know, I was just like, is that a thing? Like, you know, you're so used to, you're so used to, like, other celebrities well, that, but for, what I think what I think works really well about that is is that one Julia Roberts is like kind of a timeless yeah. actress. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and two because we've never seen her in something like that, like in, in a situation like that. And so the fact that he says, "Well, we can get Julia Roberts in a thong. We can't get a picture of Spider Man." Uh, you're you're sort of like. Yeah, you, you, he's got a point. Like, if you've got a picture of Julia Roberts in a thong, that's kind of impressive, right? Because who has that? So it's, it's, to, me, to me, it's like a timeless element to the movie for some weird reason. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. The, the wit and wit well, that's, that's good. Jonah that's a good Jameson. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ups his credentials. Uh, on that note. <laughs> All right. Uh, any, anything else from anybody else? No. We didn't discuss Betsy no, Brandt at all. So I'll just say, but she'll, uh, all right, she'll have Brandt. a moment later. In, yeah, Betty Brandt's great. So, I think we yeah, see her she, tomorrow she, as well, right? Yeah, or, she has a moment tomorrow. So we'll, we'll do yeah, that tomorrow. We'll touch base with her. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs>